Hi, I'm Marcus Peter Rempel. And I'm Alana Lewandowski. Welcome to The Ferment. Something good is rising. Hello, listeners. Welcome to The Ferment. We are uh, very pleased today to be sharing with you a conversation with Steve Bell, uh, a much-beloved Winnipeg artist and singer-songwriter. Um, we, we spoke with him quite some time ago, and, uh, and at that time he was, uh, he just got an award for some of his activism around uh, the issue of Freedom Road, which was uh, to do with uh, access for uh, a, the community that, uh, from which Winnipeg gets all its fresh water uh, supply, Shoal Lake First Nation. And uh, so we were interested to talk about his, uh, his art and his activism then. Um, since then, Alana, Steve's activism has, has really uh, come even further to the forefront, and, uh, and there's some issues that are quite live in, in the moment uh, right now as we're going to release, and uh, maybe you can just share, share about that with our listeners a little bit. Yeah, well, it, what's, what kind of strikes me right now, uh, being a, a friend of Steve's and someone who's looked up to Steve as an artist and, you know, worked with him uh, on albums and he's covered my songs and we're, we're friends. I consider him a friend. Um, and sort of knowing his heart uh, and, and how he mentions in our, in our interview that there's sort of a moment when you, you choose, like, this is the hill, you know? <laughs> um, mm. And I, I feel like since the interview, he's, as things have been cooking up here in Canada with justice issues for the UN Declaration of Indigenous Rights, um, which uh, if you see uh, the term UNDRIP, all in caps, that's what that, that means. Um, Steve has been a sort of instrumental uh, pushing for, for that. And, um, and then he just recently uh, wrote a, a sort of an, a citizen's response open letter to the, the work that uh, a lot of uh, people have been working on. It's, it's a reconciliation bill called Bill C-262. And um, they have been working at raising awareness about this bill for quite some time now. And... Uh, just nine days ago, as we're recording this, Senator Larry Smith and Senator Don Platt pulled a delay filibuster, ensuring that the bill wouldn't be taken up again for another two weeks. And so I really see uh, Steve wrote this open letter in response to their reasoning for doing this that I think is incredible clear thinking. Um, and so connected to the heart, which is really, to me, who Steve Bell is. And so um, I did, we're going to share this letter uh, so that you can read it and kind of get to know more about what, what this all means. But I just feel like this moment for Steve as an artist is he's really saying, this is where I'm, I'm choosing, you know, the, the basket I want to put my eggs in when it comes to how I'm going to uh, use my voice in the world, so. Hmm, yes. I think I'll just add just a little bit of context maybe for our American listeners who aren't familiar with the, the Canadian parliamentary system. Uh, I think Americans are more used to uh, bills moving through three different houses and kind of uh, going through, uh, you know, maybe getting bogged down in, in one place or the other. Um, in... Uh, in Canada, we don't have an elected Senate, and and typically, uh, it's uh, it's called the the House of Sober Second Thought. But but most often, it's th there's a bit of rubber stamping uh, that we're famous for in in terms of our our Senate system, and so it's it's really actually quite rare for for senators to to be really active in in blocking something that's been passed in Parliament which it just strikes me as particularly sad given the the immense goodwill mm -hmm. of i mean i mean to make to make a united nations declaration on human rights of indigenous peoples part of the fabric of canadian uh law you know like that just doesn't seem like that's that, that seems like a pretty straightforward proposition in terms of doing what's right 
And so to kind of throw a monkey wrench into these particular works does strike me as distasteful, to say the least. That's right. And also just to mention, too, that if the bill doesn't pass by, I forget what date is in June, then the whole process has to start over because it's an election year. So it's really they're that's yeah. the strategy. Yeah, it's imperative to, to see if they can kill it in in committee, as the saying goes. That's right. Uh, typically, we add one of your songs on to the end of the show, uh, Alana. This time, Steve is going to uh, he's offering uh, an, an instrumental of his called "Freedom Road," and uh, I I think. I want to invite our listeners to enjoy, especially the. He Steve is really an amazing guitar player, a phenomenal, phenomenal player, and uh, we we won't be able to enjoy that kind of playing from him for very much longer. He's uh, he's been sharing with his listeners that he's got a a wrist injury that is is putting a, a timeline uh, on on the end of his playing career, and uh, so there's a kind of it's it's very bittersweet, I think, to enjoy that that fantastic playing, but uh, clearly he has other gifts to offer, and I and I wonder even if he's felt some freedom in becoming as as vocal as he has in his activism, knowing that 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 particular you know his artistic contributions are uh, uh, have a have a, an end coming. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not I think he's getting some uh, injections right now. That's that's really uh, helping. A lot, so he's not sure how long he has, but he's he. I think he's feeling like he's got some good years. Okay, uh, left. But at but at the same time, I I totally agree. I think that when we when we get to face something like that, we start to become quite articulate. <laughs> um, so yeah, beautiful stuff coming from Steve, and yeah, what a what a tremendous songwriter and artist and and friend. Mm-hmm. So, yes, enjoy the the interview. Thanks again very much for uh engaging in and uh, and supporting the ferment. Um you can listen to this show uh on on the website itself, theferment.ca/podcast uh, or Spotify, Google Play, iTunes or the podcatcher of your choice. Um again, if you can rate us on iTunes, that really does help uh raise our profile. We're on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, so you can follow us there. Uh, you can sign up for a mailing list uh, on the website. And, uh, yeah, we'd, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, what what are you thinking? Feedback. Um, who do you think we should be talking to? You can message us on the on the social media platforms, or you can email us at thefermentpodcast at gmail.com. And, uh, yeah, we're uh, happy to share Steve Bell with you. Steve Bell. Hey. Welcome to The Ferment. <laughs> oh, nice to be here. <laughs> so exciting to have you. Oh, thank you very much. Um, maybe just for our listeners uh, who might not be aware of you and your work yet, I'll just say we know Steve Bell as a, a much-beloved Winnipeg singer-songwriter. Um, definitely within, you know, the particular Christian tradition, but mm-hmm. I think also you're, you're by now quite well-recognized as someone who is claimed by in conversation with the wider Canadian and, and et cetera, culture too. And, uh, and I think that's that kind of culture crossing uh, right. dynamic is, is definitely one of the dynamics that interests us about you as, as an artist, as an activist. Right. So maybe just to start, maybe you want to just tell us a little bit about how did, how did you get into this gig? Oh, well, I, I'm, I've done music my whole life. I mean, my mother taught us to sing when we were kids, and we had a family traveling gospel band with matching outfits, and we got that, that whole <laughs> wow, sort okay. of the Christian Partridge family yeah. thing. Like, like, and, <laughs> yeah. and dad would preach, and we'd sing. And um, I come from a, tri- a Christian tradition. My grandparents were missionaries in, in China, so like big legacy, right? Yeah. Um, and, uh, but that's all I've kind of ever done. When I got out of high school, I assumed I was going to be a, a high school band teacher, um, I played trumpet, and yeah. uh, never occurred to me I'd do music for a living. Just never even crossed my mind. Um, I, I was going to be a teacher. I was uh, supposed to go to Brandon University for music education, and uh, just um, basically a week before 
university year was first year was supposed to start, I had a bit of a breakdown, like a bit of an emotional breakdown. And I, and I phoned the school and I said, I can't come. Um, I'll come next year. I just need a year off. There's a lot of backstory there. But um, they said, fine. And that year, I joined a band just to kill the year, right? Yeah. Started playing clubs and never, by the end of the year, I'd sold my trumpet, bought a guitar, and uh, here I am, you know, 40 years later. So it kind of it kind of went that way. So I did about ten years playing in the clubs in in Winnipeg. Um, did some touring around all kinds of bands, folk bands, rock bands, dance bands, jazz bands, um, everything. Um, yeah. And um, and then after about a decade of that, I went through another sort of crisis um, where I just felt my own. F- faith rising to the surface in a way that just wanted more and more expression and the songs that I'm now known for started pouring out um recorded my first solo album and then continued on from there oh interesting yeah it's it's good to remember that like how how solid a piece of your artistic launch was in that you know, outside the Christian camp. Oh, totally, uh, that's, totally. That's good to remember. I mean, when I when I was I mean, the reason why it never occurred to me to do Christian music is because I hated it. Like when I, as a teenager, I mean, the stuff that was coming out of the sort of the Nashville music scene and yeah, stuff was yeah. just. I mean, I don't, I don't want to disparage anybody, but I just I I hated it so much. I hated the <laughs> lyrical content. I hated sort of the saccharine kind of melody. I hated the the homogenous press of it. Do you remember that story I told you when I was when we were on tour together? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and okay, okay, so this is a crazy story. Yeah, so I, I I you know growing up evangelical. Um, a lot of my friends weren't allowed to listen to quote unquote secular music. Right. And so uh, in my family, uh, we had been actually in, quite deeply influenced by Francis Schaeffer, who said, it's okay to, right. you know, listen to, listen to like Led Zeppelin and all the rest. Right. And, and my, my folks come from this place of, you know, my mom saw all the songwriters in concert, the Rolling Stones, Ike and Tina. Like she, yeah. so, so there's just like a from that generation, like walking around barefoot and mm-hmm. you know all the rest. So to let go of that as converts into you know, well, that was something they felt they had to repent well, of. Kind yeah, of. and yeah. then but then sort of came back to it, uh, right? And yeah. uh, because they'd been reading this, you know, reading Francis Schaeffer, who said the arts are okay or whatever, right, which right, for right. even you know yeah. the desert of that yeah. time was pretty like water, you know, in the desert. So anyway, we uh, my friends would come over. We had cassette tapes. Okay, everybody. We had cassette tapes. <laughs> and if Google you, it. Google yeah, it, Google yeah. that. And so if you put tape over t- uh, over top of the little square hole at the top, you could record over whatever. Over a commercial cassette oh, tape. Yeah, over oh, a commercial yeah. cassette tape. And so, oh, that little hole. I remember yeah. That, yeah. So my friends had all of this tinsel town Christian music that they were allowed to listen to. So when they came over, they would bring scotch tape and all these tape cassette tapes, and we would put my music onto their like really bad, yeah. like my yeah, like yeah. Led Zeppelin, Bob Dylan, like and uh, and then and then some more current stuff and like yeah. the ladies, yeah, early nineties, yeah. all that. And so anyway, um, when it came time. To decide whether we were going to record over Steve Bell's cassette tape, <laughs> <laughs> we we kept it. We decided hey, that's, that's <laughs> such a cool thing <laughs> because it was my decision, and I was already developing my own ear for songwriting. Right, and that was what it was. Was I felt <laughs> like there, the cut. he he well yeah, yeah. He, there was an authenticity to yes. it. So that's the, that's my story around. We do. I think the thing is, though, and, and I think I've thought about this a lot. Um, it, I was at a, a Henry Nowen conference a year ago, yep. and um, uh, Ronald Rollheiser. Do you know that name? Yeah, oh, was an amazing yeah. speaker. I know a, him. A Catholic uh, fellow, um, Mystic. Uh, great, great. Anyways, he, he was he was teaching on um, um, on Nowen, and he said the difference between Nowen and all the writers on spirituality is that all the other writers write about spirituality. Henry Nowen's writing is spirituality. Huh. Um, and it took me a while for me to wrap my brain on what it even meant about by that. Yeah. And he said, the difference is, yes. is it wasn't pointing to something, it was the something. Mm-hmm. And I think with my music, too, um, this is not, I don't mean this self-aggrandizing, I said, but, but I don't, I think what I, I found a way of expressing my faith that's, this is my journey. 
This like the music mm-hmm. isn't pointing to something. It's not selling something. It's not convincing. This is just how I pray. This is how this is how I relate to God and to God's world. Um, is through these these songs. And I had this some um, this uh, woman come to my concert uh, several years ago. She was an atheist. Uh, woman, I knew her, um, uh, and, and she always comes to my concerts, and she wanted to go for lunch one time, and so we went for lunch, and I said, why do you come to my concerts? Like, well, I'm pretty Christian, you know, yeah. and, and I know you're not, and, and she says, yeah, she says, okay, though, she says, because you tell your story, right? and she says, it's unassailable, that's your story, and she says, I find it fascinating, interesting, and I'll always come, she says, unless you tell me my story, and then you'll never see me again. Ah, right. Which is an interesting hmm. thing, and I think I think for me, when I came to peace with doing quote unquote Christian music, was when I realized I wasn't doing Christian music. I was just journaling with songs. You were being. I was just being. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that felt okay to me. Somehow, I was able to let go of any sort of feeling of of the ickiness that I had felt from the in- industry music. Does that make any sense? Yeah, I yeah. yeah that, it takes. It's, yeah, it's hard to find wonderful. language. It's lacking agenda. Yeah, no, there's no agenda. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, like, one observation that I would have of your music, my sense of it, like, I, I come across uh, you know, friends, people I know that love Steve Bell, mm-hmm. and there's, it, like, it's interesting to me, like, what a range of folks, you know, like, from, from like, quite, you know, conservative Christian friends right. Right. to, you know, friends like Alana. Yeah. Um, and and so I'm curious, like, for for you... Like, what are some of the some of the joys and some of the difficulties of being claimed by such a wide range of people oh, with different stories? Right, right. <laughs> well, I, sometimes it's great, and sometimes I feel hampered by it because I, I know I am considered sort of a Christian artist. Yeah, and I'm also to some degree funded by Christians who are happy about that. Yeah, right. Yeah, so, yeah. so at what point do you say something in a song that would maybe alienate people, a fan base or or a money base? Really, I mean, that's you know. So, I mean, I don't some have of to, us want you to sing <laughs> our story for us. Yeah. <laughs> I know, but but there there is. I mean, there's all kinds of pressures there. Yeah. I mean, not huge, not massively. I've, I've I've been sort of fortunate to have kept my career at a, a at a sort of a low level. So it, I don't I don't need a giant machine to keep it going. And my music is sort of folksy acoustic, so I don't need a $100,000 budget to, to record a good album. Right. Do you know what I mean? So I, I, I'm, I'm somewhat free of some of the pressures just because of the nature of the music. Yes. It's not expensive. I can go on the road. I, if, if I sing to 100 people, I'm happy. I don't need, I don't need 10,000 people to pay for the buses and uh-huh. the, the light show, right? And so acoustic music allows an artist of any sort of stripe to be a little bit independent of the concerns of money and, and pressures. But I do feel sometimes, like, I'm, I, I, I mean, I, I do have things I'd write about if I could be anonymous that I don't. Um, and and I, I wonder what it would be like to someday just to kind of just let it all go. And I don't know if I ever will. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I do feel somewhat of a responsibility. I've become a little bit of um, of um, um uh, I mean, people see you as their pastor. Yeah, in some ways. yeah, and so I do. I do feel some responsibility to to be mindful of what what to put out to the public um, because you just need to vomit out an anger or mm-hmm. or a pain, and what is actually helpful, right? And I think artists sometimes get that mixed up. You know, we get a sure. lot of artists oh, yeah. that are kind of vomiting on their public, and I you feel it. You know, you can sort of feel, and it could be really well done. But you still have to have a bath afterward. You know? <laughs> um, and so, my uh, question is always, you know, what, what? If I can speak spiritually here, what is actually, in a sense, what has God given me for you? Um, but how can I do it in a way that's not agenda, right? Well, it has yeah, to be that's authentic- a mysterious. Well, for place. one, it has to be authentically for me too. Yeah. Right. You know. So it's it's always a kind of a it's a dance. It's a dance in the end. Yeah, and you th- one word that comes to mind that you ju- that you mentioned was not wanting to alienate. Right. And I think that having a heart of not wanting to alienate yeah. is probably a good a good thing. Yeah. Because alienation, yeah. I don't think it's ever good. Right. And so it, it's yeah, it's it's one of those things of just walking in that paradox and but holding the tension of it, yeah. right? But there, yeah, but there is like now, I mean, songwriters are, are asked to be prophetic to some degree mm-hmm. by yes. both by both the yes. spiritual public and the secular public mm-hmm. that we want artists to speak out to our political yes. situations and our social yes. things yes. and yes. say yes. something about that guy yes. or that 
idea or whatever. Is that alienating though? If well, it's see, done well, 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 that's the thing. Yes, like, if it's done well, song, yeah, pro- like, where does where does a what protest, is a protest song? 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 <laughs> and, and, and are you publicly embarrassing or shaming somebody? And I'm typically, I mean, by personality type, I would never do that. Mm-hmm. Right, I'm, I'm I'm not a confrontation person. Um, I would never say something cruel about somebody in public. I just I just wouldn't. I'm Canadian. I'm I'm Steve, like Steve Bell doesn't do that. <laughs> yeah, and I would feel horrible if I did. Yeah. Um, and every once in a while, I've let public opinions slip out in ways I thought afterward were a little bit mean spirited, and I've just felt the shame of that. I don't want to ever write or say something out of a out of out of that spirit. But I do think a lot about. But when do you say? Yeah. What you believe to be really true because it matters. I've got grandkids, you know, and and I do have them in mind when I write now that that I am to some degree with my music. I'm to some very small degree. I'm 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 shaping the landscape. Yeah, right out there, and I'm shaping a landscape that young children who I adore are going to have to deal with. Right, so I don't want to just always just sort of be affirming of everything if something no. is, is is destructive and is going to cause them harm down the road. So, so it's, fr- it's frustrating. A bit. So what would be what would be one difficult thing to share with some of your conservative base that you'd love to be able to share with them, and what would be one difficult thing to share with your liberal uh, audience that you wish you could share? That's kind of like in that that space where you're oh, trying to discern. Well, I think the, the elephant in the room, of course, is what's happening in the states with the um, with the, uh, the the Christian alignment with with um, extreme right ideology. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just frightening, um, and to me, it's just mind boggling that it's gone as far as it has. Yes, I think to some degree, um, I I part of me I've been looking for a way of saying it. Um, uh, you know that that. At, there comes a point when people who claim to be Christian make certain social statements or commitments where other Christians have to say, that's not Christian, yeah. period. Um, yeah. And, and you know, like, so for example, if a, you know, if, if somebody walks on a football field with a baseball cap and a baseball glove and a baseball bat and decides to play football, I guess legally they're allowed to do it, but it's not football, right? It's, it's yeah. you know, it's just not football. Yeah. Um, and at a certain point, as a, as a, I think to some degree, and I feel this especially right now, at what point does someone like me or, or you yes. guys, you know, yeah. just say, yeah. that's not Christian faith. You know, um, it just isn't. And that, that could be really hurtful to somebody who thinks it is or is part of something or a certain ideological yeah. commitment. But so that's, that's, the, that's a bit of the ele- elephant in the room. The other thing that I find just frustrating is the whole, um, um, uh, um, Sexual relationships, um, sort of thing is just so complex, you know, and so. Uh, the, the Christian community is, you know, the liberal community has a, a very, very certain stance and the conservatives at all, you know, weirded out by. And, and, and the thing is, I, I feel, I feel, um, a compassion for both sides. Huh. Um, and I, and I really, really, really do. And to be really honest, I find the whole business confusing hmm. personally. Yeah. You know, um, and so I worry about what sh- should I say something or when do I say something or when I'm in this community that has um, a very um, dogmatic approach to it, do I, do I challenge it or not? You know, like, so these are kinds of things that are just are always, when do you, when do you get involved in a conversation? Um, knowing full well that if you commit to a certain conversation, you're going to start alienating pretty fast. Yeah. And at that point, yeah, I, I really pray about God. Are you asking me to be part of this conversation? Because yeah. if not, I'd happily not. Right. <laughs> well, and that's. A, I think yeah. that's a fair question. Like, yeah. who, whose conversation are we having? Right. And you know, what is the you know when we say we are having? Like, yeah. what is the shape of that we? Yes. Are, are, are you like? Are yeah. you aware of Tim Otto's book? No. In the, Tim, so he's he's an openly gay. Yeah. man who is uh, a pastor of a community. Yeah. He himself has taken a vow of celibacy, uh, partly because he was drawn to his own uh, sort of monastic way. Right, right. But, but also because he knew that for the community he was leading, like that, if they were going to hold him as their pastor, that was, in that place, that's that was what important. it was going to take. Yeah. It's not a, that's not a, but it's not something that he is saying that you know, is a is in a prescriptive way at all, and in fact, right. his 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 book lays out a kind of if you want if you if you're conservative mm-hmm. 
and you, you want to stick with the traditional definition of marriage, here's some ways that you could do that with kindness. Right. And if you, and if you really, and right. if you really believe yeah. that, uh, it's time for us to bless covenanted same sex unions, yeah. here's some ways that you could do that with faithfulness. Right. Right. Um, so implicit in that is a very local understanding of discernment and the movement of the Holy Spirit. Oh, absolutely. See, yeah, this, this is, this is where as a songwriter, if you start committing, um, so for example, I could have a conversation with you, but if I put in a song, it goes out there, it has a conversation that I'm not controlling the local understandings. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I'm not controlling definitions and you can't see the kindness in my eyes or the anger in my eyes or whatever it is, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So the problem with songs, and especially when you have these things called CDs or MP3 yes. files or whatever, is they or get podcasts. to Or podcasts. Mm -hmm. They get to go out without you. Yeah. And they get heard in locals, yeah. in, in, in parochial sort of situations where it, it may not be um, dialogical, right? And I think to some degree, too, is when we're, whenever we're getting involved in social um, um, uh, situations that we want to write about or talk about, one of the big questions is, is there an actual dialogue happening? Because if there's no dialogue, oh, yeah. why even start? No, I, yeah, I mean, the silos are very yeah. real and the oh, culture yeah. wars are real. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember I remember getting on Facebook thinking, wow, this is great. We, you know, we can have a conversation. <laughs> we can dialogue yeah, about, whoa. you know, and, and, and in, the, in, the, in the early years, I was posting opinions and all that kind of stuff. And then you get like a hundred just, you know, yes. texts of vitriol and you're kind of going, what, 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 what? what's yeah. going on? What's going on? Stop, stop, stop. And yes. I just stopped, you know, yeah. um, anything mm -hmm. like that. Because in the end, what I determined is that this is not a place for dialogue yeah. it just isn't another right? thing that's helpful too i think is songwriting uh, it allows for us to tell stories right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and story isn't coming from an ideological place and right. so if you're telling like i I, ha I have a song that i haven't i haven't released personally but it's 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 a tune about um someone I knew growing up who yeah. was gay mm -hmm. and uh, married the pastor's daughter uh -huh. and she committed suicide. Mm -hmm. And so the, the, it's a very, very sad story, mm -hmm. but the story itself is a lament mm -hmm. about the story. Right. It's not, it doesn't have um, an angle that's, that, that is lacking poetry. Right. And it doesn't have an angle that's lacking right. this. Like, I, I find, yeah. like, if you're going to write a protest song or something, right. you better, like, you better help people fall in love with whatever it is that right. you're trying to protect. Right. Um, or you're in trouble. That's like, yeah. a, that's, you know, <laughs> so. Mm. Mm. You know what I think I think what we what you can do uh, without fear is 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 write that that in a way that um that generates empathy. Mm -hmm. Right. And yep. and yep. that that's not the same thing as sort of pushing an, an mm -hmm. ideology or wagging your finger uh, um at your public or, or whoever it is, you know, but to write in a way uh, where empathy can be aroused because mm -hmm. I mean and cuz really in the end so much of this 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 fragmentation we have is only possible if empathy can be uh, suppressed, you know. Mm. Um, and, yeah, it, yeah. and the minute you start arousing empathy, I mean, it's, it's you'll, you'll get pushback because because then, you know, then people all of a sudden realize that these these issues are co deeply complex. And yeah, and I, attached to human persons right. or, or living things, uh, you know, right. the planet or whatever. It's yeah. attached to something that is beloved. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So it's, I, I, I don't know, it's, it's, all, it's all very interesting, you know. My music tends to be, even my protest songs, most people wouldn't know they're protest songs. Um, you wouldn't know that unless you come out and hear the story. And, yeah. and that's not a deliberate strategy, it's just how I write. Yeah. Um, so I don't tend to write in a way that you can say, oh, he must have written that in 1978 because that's what was happening. Do you know what I mean? What yeah. happens for me is I'll I'll be engaged in a, in a in in this idea or that idea or this social context, and then I'll read scriptures say, and here's a psalm that all of a sudden pops out, and I kind of go, oh my goodness, that whoever wrote that must have been going through something similar, right? Yeah. Right. So, for example, I've got a song um, on my latest album called um, uh, Oh gee, what is it called? <laughs> um, Wait alone in stillness, Psalm sixty two. 
And um, so the, 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 the song came out on the day that the first refugees from Syria arrived on Canadian soil. Mm. And I was deeply um, in prayer about um, Canadians, especially the Canadian church, mm. receiving um, Syrian refugees. For whatever reason, it just felt really momentous and important that we do that. Yep. And when the first arrived and that churches had actually responded right across the country, yes. the town of St. John, um, New Brunswick, which is about the size of Brandon, has taken in over 400 refugees to the town. Mm -hmm. Wow. Because it's changed the school system. It's just yeah. unbelievable. Um, and I and I wept and I wept and I wept mm. and they landed. And then that morning, um, I opened this my the daily scripture lectionary reading, and it was Psalm, I think it's 61 or 62. And in there is God is my refuge. Mm -hmm. Right? And I hadn't refuge. really refuge. Refuge. Right? Yes. And so I'm I'm reading this poem and and, and it's con it's it's connecting to yes, exactly it's reverberating it's reverberating yes. right and it was just before christmas and i thought oh my goodness like how many times in the old testament is that word for god refuge come up and strength yes. and stronghold and yes. you know all that kind of stuff and it's both maternal and paternal it's 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 this huge word and then my first then my thought was does god show up as refuge in the new testament and what dawned on me that he shows up as refugee in the new testament yes mm -hmm. And Whoa. all of a sudden, bam! There's a song. Yes, right. Refuge and refugee. Yeah, yeah. And that uh -huh. there's something that's that about the truth of God that is only knowable when those two things come together. Uh -huh. um, and that those two poles actually uh -huh. hold the truth of, of yes. God, the vulnerability, um, all yes. that, and the strength. Of, you know, right. So the song comes out. But if I didn't tell you this, right. there's nothing about this, the particular <laughs> Syrian yeah. refugee yeah. Yeah. thing in the song. So yeah. I was engaged. I read an ancient poem, prayer poem. Yeah. Um, it it kind of resonated. The song came. Yeah. The song can actually just be a comfortable prayer. Yeah. Wait alone in stillness, oh my soul. Like it, 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 you know, but if you know the story, it becomes another thing. So I think a lot of my songs don't really, they can be listened to without knowing the backstory and they can be a devotional thing or a nice melody yeah, or, yeah. or, or entertainment. But knowing the story really yeah. makes it land. Yeah, yeah, Somewhere. and which is why I tell stories in, in so yeah. much in concert. Yeah, but for some reason I don't tell the stories in the song, mm. and that's just unique. That that is what I I don't know why it's not a strategy. It's just the way it comes out. Yeah. Huh. All right, half time. This is when we open up the virtual guitar case, pass around the virtual collection plate. If you like what we're doing here, think about throwing some money in. We do this because we love it, but we also love our families. The hours we put into this podcast are hours we owe to them. They freed us up to do this work. Help us give something back. Throw in a 20, throw in a dollar, it's all good. Just click on the Patreon link. You can make a one-time donation, or you can commit to something regular. Even something small but regular makes a big difference. Regular contributions mean a regular gig for this artist and this preacher. It lets us chase the dream and not the dollar. Enough said. Back to the reason you're here and we're here today. So how does that, Steve, like, how does your job uh, meditating on, you know, an ancient text, mm -hmm. um, having a heart for, you know, the world, mm -hmm. um, and then creating something. Mm -hmm. uh, how does that affect how you show up with a different hat on? Maybe it's not even a different hat. It's maybe a very similar hat. Mm -hmm. um, when you show up as someone who is, you know, taking action on behalf, or not even on behalf, but along with um certain you know s s certain right. injustices right H how does that so so we will be talking about some of the ways you've been taking action but first I, i'm really curious how i feel just knowing you and observing mm -hmm. i feel like it's coming out of the soil of the artist mm -hmm. steve like yeah. first yeah well i think i mean i don't, I don't want to say like artists are overly special but i mean we do we do have a fundamental gift slash flaw that makes us who we are, and that's that we're completely porous to the the, the sorrows mm. and the cruelties of the world. Like you mm. can't, I can't turn them off. I can't watch a story about Palestinians being, you know, 
yeah. bond or whatever without feeling like that's somebody's mother, that's somebody's child, that's somebody's grandma. Like I, I, I immediately go there, um, and I can't turn that that personal thing off. And so I end up having a lot of uh, uh, I, I cry a lot, <laughs> and I don't know. It's, it's always been that way. I've always felt those sorrows of the world and and the cruelties as if they were happening to me. Huh. And um, and so like people often talk about me as being a bubbly person or a fairly lively person. I don't feel that at all. Actually, interiorly, I just feel all the time like I'm in in like I'm in. 90% grief mm. and I go from 80% to 100% but there's never less than that really? but you yeah. tell those stories that are funny to help the other stuff land which I think well, yeah. maybe is why I still see yeah I still see the comedy of life mm. right I, I still see yeah. that and I yeah. still and I and the faith part of me says this is not the end of the story right and what makes me a Christian is that I've, I think I've seen a glimpse of the end of the story where we're headed to yeah um, and my call is to give witness to that now, even though it's not happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, you know, so I mean, so if... And if, the tears yeah, of the yeah, moment. Yeah, so if the, if, if the end of the story is a banquet where everyone's welcome, you know, then I can live that now in a way that actually is is almost against the, the what is almost self-evident, that, that, that there is no banquet, and if there is one, only a few are welcome. Mm-hmm. Right, so, I mean, I can write that way, and there's a joy in me in the sense of I feel like I've been given just yeah. a little revelation, that little veil coming back of, of where this is heading, so I can find joy in that. But, but the, 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 the artist in me feels the, the agony of, but not yet. Mm-hmm. You know, and in the meantime, huh. real people, real grandchildren, mm-hmm. real grandmothers suffer. Yeah. Right. Um, and well, I, and I have to say, like, as a, you know, semi-activist, maybe yeah. recovering activist. Well, oh, that's um, an interesting. Yeah, we should talk about that because, yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah. go ahead. Yeah. Um, like that, I think what you just named, that is the kind of thing that feeds me is if if an artist, you know, whether it's visually or, or through a song, if an artist can say, yes, I see Mm-hmm. I see yes. the reality that the painful mm-hmm. reality mm-hmm. that most of us are are dealing with by whistling Dixie. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I see that, and I'm and I name it, but I name it with hope mm-hmm. somehow. Yeah. And the, and there's, I mean, Coburn has this line about kicking at the darkness until it bleeds daylight. <laughs> One of the great um, lines. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, it is a great line, although. Fr- the, the, it's a little bit violent still, like right, sure. Like yeah. the, there, there's if if it's up to me, yeah. You know, if it's up to me to punch the hole and make oh, the, yeah. the light happen right. and like tear, oh, like good you point. Know, tear a hole in the machine and mm. and and it's if my understanding is all about like me as the warrior. Yeah, exhaustion is is your like, future. I yeah. you know that darkness is. Yeah pretty thick and you know my boot is pretty worn james finley has a a line that says if it happens it won't be because of you but if you don't show up it won't happen yeah (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) that's good yeah 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 yeah. i like the idea of seeing though like i think i think there's something there there is something to that i remember one time um i was at a some kind of banquet for um, an organization that helped homeless people yeah and so they brought in their their token homeless people person to to give witness to this organization's work. And he was being interviewed and someone said, what's the hardest thing about being on the street? And he said, the hardest thing actually isn't poverty or homelessness or cold. It's people walking by pretending they didn't see you. you. He says, tell me you don't have money. He says, I don't care if you don't have money. I have no business. I have no thought about your financial situation. He says, but you walking by as if you didn't see me is, is that's a pain that's really hard to describe. And I remember I just, oh my God. Goodness, I'd never thought yes. of that. But of course, you know, that, that, that I'm invisible. And to, to, to walk about in, in a way that, you, that, that you not only see, but you let those who feel invisible see you seeing is in itself, um, a hopeful, uh, healing, uh, an encouraging, a hospitality. Yeah. Um, it's, um, it's, a uh, it's a solidarity. Um, all those sort of things come right there before anything is corrected or, do you know, like, mm-hmm. you know yeah, yeah. what I mean? So I, I, I try to practice that. I, I'm not always good at it, you know, but I try to practice just seeing. So maybe to go from there to some of your current activism, mm-hmm. you've recently received a PAX Award from Canadian Mennonite University uh, 
Pax meaning peace. Yep. And uh, I was reading that the president of the university in particular highlighted uh, some activism on your behalf with relate in terms of indigenous rights. Right. Uh, I haven't seen this, by the way. So, oh, yeah, you haven't, haven't, I, oh, you haven't no, seen the award, or no, no, no. Oh, okay, yeah, well, so, yeah. I, I, know I, know it? I know it's coming. Okay, yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, what did she say? She <laughs> said, uh, um, "Yeah, it was a major impetus for your selection for the PAX Award was your your advocacy with Indigenous folks." Mm-hmm. So, and then they mentioned Bill. Uh, was it Bill C two sixty two and and the Shoal Lake forty? Yeah, Shoal Lake forty. Probably more so, the Shoal Lake forty story. So, yeah. what? What are you seeing, Shoal Lake Forty and 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 build, and with that build C two sixty two? What are you seeing that you you're wanting to help other folks well, see? Well, well, first, like like I I don't really consider myself an activist, and there's something about that name that bothers me, and I don't really know why. Huh. Um, I don't get up in the morning looking for something to do, like or some th- something to correct or something to fix. I'm not driven in that sense. Right. And, um, so I, I'm, I'm not looking for a cause. I just am not. Huh. Um, and I, and I think, um, years ago, I, I sort of came to the place of if I'm going to travel the world and see all that I'm going to see, which is a fair bit. I mean, how do you choose? Like, what do you, you know? And so what I sort of decided to do is pray for everything and get involved in the things that, that are, that, that seem to have a history or connection or that resonate with my own history. Yeah. Right. So, um, I mean, there's all sorts of really, really good causes that I'm just not a part of that I'm very familiar with and that I don't give my time to. I don't sing for free at their banquets. I don't Facebook about their things. And yet they're really, really good and important. So what do you do? Like, how do you, how do you choose? And for me, there, there's a couple of things. I think, I think one thing is that there needs to be a, for it to, to be sustainable, there needs to be a resonance because anybody that does activism work knows how exhausting it is. And you, you you can just spend yourself so fast that there's nothing left. And I know exactly what that's like to wake up in the morning and realize I don't have, I don't have a calorie in me <laughs> that's spendable. It's done, right? And that's just not healthy. But when when things are organically connected, so First Nations thing, it was First Nations men that taught me to play guitar uh, when mm. I was a boy. My dad was a prison chaplain. And um, at Drumheller Prison, the 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 men used to have a, a, a guitar playing circle, or like they jam in the, in the chapel Saturday afternoons. Um, and um, I saw them play and wanted to play so bad. And when the, your dad brought you along into the prison, well, what happened was that was the inmates they heard I wanted to play. They said, "Bring him in, leave him with us." And so I, that's why I'd leave be, him was, with us. Yeah, yeah. So dad would be so in his dad's office. Like, He'd be in the office, and yeah. I'm in the chapel, you know, with with you know these men, um, who who basically just allowed me in their circle. They didn't actually teach me; they just allowed me to sit there and just play along with them when as I could. Yeah, um, it I'm pretty like sure that's lesson. indigenous educational philosophy. Oh, very, right very there. much, I, which I <laughs> yeah. didn't know at the time. Yeah. But I do remember saying, like, I loved these guys, and they were they were really kind to me, and um, there were there was a gentleness about them that I just found. Quite astonishing. I was used to men being black suited with big Bibles and kind of pounding out theology and, and all that kind of, I mean, that's the world I grew up yes. in. Right. But here I am with these <laughs> men who are prisoners. They're the bad guys. And, and there was, in, there was a gentleness about them. And yet you look at their arm and these homemade tattoos that sort of betrayed that gentleness saying that not all about their life is gentle, clearly. Yeah. Right. There was a harshness and there's, there was something brutal. You could see it written on in ink on their arms. It's something, there's deep pain. There's violence. You could just—it it was there. It's evident. Yeah. I couldn't understand it. I remember um, uh, one day coming back from this lovely time with these guys and learning to play and um, and um, and just them sh- letting me be part of their men's group and and hear their stories and all that kind of stuff. And I said to Dad, "I said, Dad, is there something wrong with Indians?" And he just looked at me out of the blue and said, "Why in the world would you ask that question?" And I and I had noticed at eight years old that demographically there was a a oh, whole yeah. bunch more of them inside than there were outside, you know. And I sort of, I didn't have that language, but I tried to explain to him that, why is yeah, there yeah. more in there? Yeah. And I remember my dad looking at me and just, he was quiet for a second. He said, you know what, that's the kind of question you need to ask for the rest of your life. And didn't answer the question. Yeah. Right? So he let me be. Um, but after that, my life has been filled with relationships with First Nations people, whether it be neighbors, whether it be uh, my my uh, my sister marrying a, a First Nations man, um, uh, so I've got you know in my bloodline I've got nieces and nephews who are First Nations. Um, uh, 
I mean, it goes on and on and on. A foster daughter, um, all, all kinds of stuff. And so th- that particular thing, that's a that's a that's a, um, a a people who I've had intimate contact with. And so for me to also belong to a people that ideologically were committed to certain ideas that really did unspeakable harm is is a problem. So. For me, it makes sense that if I'm going to pick something, something that's it. <laughs> that you know, I've yeah. got yeah. That that's going to resonate with me for a long, long time. And 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 so, and I wasn't really involved um, in any sort of political way, and never thought of myself as getting involved in any kind of political way until a couple of years ago when Shoal Lake Forty, the the Freedom Road um, uh, listeners can just go online and, and Google Shoal Lake Forty. Um, Freedom Road, and you'll get the story, um, came up. And I just remember, I remember um, as, as my music career was, was building, um, realizing I'm starting to have social capital. People actually will listen to something I say and give me probably more weight than they should, <laughs> right? Just because there's a certain yeah. bit of social capital that builds yeah. up when yeah. you do public yeah. work, right? Yeah. And, and I remember thinking, like, what is this for? Like, this is money in the bank that I need to spend some time, and I, and I, or I, I might be able to spend some time. And, and, and being sort of prayerfully aware of that, you know, not wanting to sort of spend before I should, but I saw this story um, and in the news, and uh, there's something in me that kind of snapped inside, and I just, I, I heard this the voice it. saying, cash in, this is it, this is what you're, you're here to do. And uh, because of my years of work, I know pastors, I know, you know, people in downtown, I have a, a bit of an ability to sort of collate people and yeah and and connect things and i realized this is this is the time to spend those dollars and i did and i got involved with the situation and i get i'm, I'm getting an award for it. it's a little embarrassing i mean there the people were involved for decades on this and mm-hmm. I, I came in at the 11th hour <laughs> and had a fairly public involvement right. yeah um yeah and I, but i don't feel particularly like like i feel a little embarrassed about the award um because i know who is who's really who's, who's done the doing long, the work in the work. Trench, right. trenches yeah, yeah. right yeah but I also huh. understand that there's a there's a point in that, and that 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 we as a public have to celebrate certain things. So there's something you have to you almost have to eat it and receive, yeah. Um, you know, in a, in a way that that, huh. that feels a little uncomfortable, but it's, it's fine. Um, but that's that's how I kind of got started, and that's. Uh, but when that was over, I remember I was at a at a public thing somewhere, and there was a politician, a woman who congratulated me on my work with Freedom Row, and she said, what are you going to do next? And, um, and she meant, like, as an activist. Yeah. And, and my, I was horrified by that. Like, it's like, no, I'm not. I don't get up in the morning looking for this. Like, it's not, huh. it's not what I do. It's yeah. what I did because it seemed to make sense given the capital I was given and the history. And so that's why I think I don't like calling myself an activist mm-hmm. as, a, as a title. Right. You know? I mean, titles are dangerous, period. Yeah. But uh, but even in terms of your sense of your central vocation. Yeah, no, no, I, I wasn't yeah. born to be an activist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I was born to write songs and be a husband to Nancy. It's and good to know that. Kids. Yeah. It's yeah. good to know that and be doing what you know you're yeah. called to be doing. But I think all of us are called to things that are outside of our central mm-hmm. yeah. thing from time to time. And at that point, you know, hopefully we hear that call and, and, and are faithful to it. But yeah, it's the, just that thought of, you know, like... The Neil Young line, if you follow every dream, you might get lost. Yeah. It's like um, when I was a kid, we had horses. And when you pour, like, piles of oats out, there's inevitably one horse that tries to go to all the piles. Hmm. And they're always, you know, doing that to try and own all the piles, right. basically. And they would basically end up with nothing because right. because of this. And, I, yeah. and I've kind of likened that analogy to over-identifying with activism mm-hmm. in the sense that we think we care more than someone else yes. or that we own, a, a, like even to a point where we think we own a people or mm-hmm. own, um, you know, whatever it is. It's like, it's like if it, if there's ownership and there's, you know, that kind that kind I think that's yeah. pr- maybe what you're talking yeah. about. Why yeah, you if don't it's want an identity, that title. If it's an ego identity. Yes. Um that, that could be really that that could become destructive pretty fast. And a burn serious burnout. Serious you don't burnout, like because you're yeah. going from pile to pile. Yeah. It, if yeah. particularly right now, yeah. I felt it, you know, just with um just with what's happening, uh we are a part of a great turning. Oh my goodness. Right yeah. now. A very great turning. And so when the great turning, it's like if you think of like a tidal wave and how much undertow there is mm-hmm. huh. and the undertow that we're experiencing on a daily basis. That's if a helpful you, metaphor. I like that. If you 
let that each undertow mm -hmm. that's churning out hit you and then try and do something about each mm -hmm. one of them. Like you're going to get sucked under. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I feel it all the time. I'm always yeah. finding that balance. So, you know what? When, that, when I, I got involved in this Freedom Road uh, battle, um, and it, when it was over, it 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 honestly, I don't know if I've recovered since. Like it, um, I, I was I was a wreck for about a year for sure. Just huh. exhausted emotionally, huh. and 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 I, so I and I took note of that. I was like, what's going on here? But it is that. It's that you're battling these undertoes all the time. Um, and each issue wants to draw you into another one is, is deeply connected to other things. And yeah, there's, there's, there's all kinds of, um, uh, currencies in play. Some that are, uh, that are evident yeah. and some that are really quite not evident, but they're actually in play yeah. as well. And so there's something exhausting about that. And I, I did withdraw from that for a while and tried to sort of just sleep and recover and all that kind of stuff. But I, you look at guys like, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. or something or, or, um, uh, what's the guy that, that uh, fought slavery in, in England? Um, Oh, Wilberforce? Wilberforce, you know. These guys like spending like two decades, mm -hmm. you know, at that intensity of fighting something. You think, that's almost superhuman. Like, how? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and no wonder they were, you know, they, were, they had uh, all kinds of other issues that were not healthy in their lives, you know. So you have to kind of, I, I think what I, what I try to do is I try, I try to pray, like, God, uh, what part of this do you want me to pick up? And, 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 and help me battle my ego not mm -hmm. to pick up more than the, mm -hmm, what, you, yeah. what you've asked of me. Yeah. Right, because really, in the end, I think this is where I get worried about the activism thing: is that I I can very very quickly get an ego attachment, because I actually all my friends who are are actual activists, I really like them. I have mm -hmm. deep respect for them, and I'd love to be one of them. Huh? Do you know what I mean? Like, like huh. part of me would just you know like oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, mean yeah. I could list off a bunch of names that you both would know of people. I kind of go, oh man, like I'd love to be in that that club. You know, and so it'd be very easy for me to sort of want to be part of it because it's a kind of a group that I really respect. But in the end, if I, t if I pick up more than God has asked me to carry, it's just, it's not going to help. Yeah. It's not going to help. Yeah. It's sort you know. of a clanging and I do, symbol. It's a, yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. a clanging symbol. Yeah. Love. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where I like, I, you know, I have so much respect and appreciation for folks who, who engage in the social good and, and don't believe in at least not in the sort of you know don't use the god word certainly the way we are right now yeah but then but then how how do you do exactly that thing of sort of trust that something mm. else that your relation in in relation with to discern what is your load to carry yeah. and what is not your load and to trust that you letting go of something yeah. is not equal to the kind of you know the the total hopeless abandonment of, yeah, yeah. of of that thing, like yeah. that, that there's something else yeah. still holding it. Yeah, and and obviously we can. I mean, Christianity is is rife with examples where you know we can get lazy and easy with that. Like, yeah. oh, you know, well, God bless you. You know, go, let you know God will take care yeah. of you. Yeah, uh, mm -hmm. this is, you yeah. know, not my concern right now. I'm going right. to keep walking. Yeah, um, but I I I yeah, I don't know how you. Engage with some lightness. Well, I think I think that's where that. I think that's where prayer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like like, and I don't mean praying for things, but I mean I mean mm -hmm. in that 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 sort of being in the presence of of God, however you get there. Yeah, um, and that could be different for different people, but somehow that sort of uh, being in that place um, and trusting that this that that there's something okay about your finiteness. Yes, it's right? like a, and and that it's your finiteness. Is connected. Well, yes, that's the thing. It's like it's. Yeah. There's a difference between going, "Oh, God bless you, let it go," but then also not being possessive. If you're gonna hold, if you're gonna do you're gonna something, engage. if yeah, you're gonna yeah. engage, right. um, and and letting go, um, like Thomas Merton suffered from insomnia, right. and he said, suddenly the bed becomes an altar, and someone in a distant city is able to pray. Hmm. And so his finiteness, he, he saw his finiteness as connected. Hmm. And, and so, but at the same time, wasn't possessive of right. whatever it was that yeah. he yeah. went towards. That's and interesting. Eh? That's a good way of naming that, that dance. Yeah. 
I remember years ago I, I went to to India and uh, and I was uh, to Calcutta and I had just finished reading City of Joy and I was very sort of familiar from from an, an outsider, just someone who read books of the of the condition of a of a city like Calcutta and I was deeply deeply attracted by Mother Teresa and in some romantic way thought that maybe this was where I was heading yeah you know and uh, and I get to, to Calcutta <laughs> oh my goodness. It, to my shame, I had I had no catcher's mitt for it. It 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 just about ruined me. I mean, you know. And instead of seeing Jesus everywhere, I just saw horror, right? And huh. and and I was repulsed um, huh. by the poverty. It wasn't. There was no sort of saintly um, capacity um, in me whatsoever. And I ended up three days in a bathroom in a fetal position on the floor. Um, until I, my flight left, I just, it overwhelmed me. And I came back feeling so ashamed of myself and embarrassed. And I thought I was, had more capacity than that. And how can I be wiped out by two weeks? You know, and, yeah. um, and I remember I, I, I was depressed for about a year or two afterward because it just, and I was talking to this one ortho, Eastern Orthodox priest one time and I was, I was in, and we were talking about this and, and, and he said, Oh my goodness, Steve, he says, and I, I, he says, I, I think I was sort of complaining. So I can't, I can't be in, I can't be in Calcutta. I don't have that. I don't. He says, Steve, you are in Calcutta. Mm-hmm. He says, you are in the body of Christ. And as Mother Teresa is there, you are part of the huh. body of Christ there. She he says, you need to be in Winnipeg so she doesn't have to come here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like you need to let yeah, her be there yeah, and yeah. you be here and really have faith that somehow these things are all deeply connected. What a sense of the body. Yeah, the sense of the body. And here's, and here's, I think, where, I think this is why I'm Christian as opposed to almost any other thing is this whole, it's a derivative of Trinitarian faith that, that, that God is a communion, that, that yes. we understand God as a communion and that we've been made in the image of God. And if that is true, then I am in Calcutta in the person who is, who is lovingly in Calcutta. And I am in Chicago in the person who is lovingly in Chicago. And, and therefore I can be peacefully here. Right. Um, and they're here because of you. Yes, exactly. Right? And so there's something in there that, that, that piece of Christian theology really draws me and makes me specifically Christian rather than just sort of like, yeah. you know what I mean? That, and then the other piece, and then this kind of flies a little bit against what we we're saying before about, um, not giving more than what you've been asked to take. But I think sometimes too in a Christian story with the story of Christ, every once in a while we're called to give everything. And where there's mm. nothing left mm. to spend absolutely everything and close the bank account. And, and that does happen to people on time. And it's, and I, I sort mm. of don't know if I have that stomach for that call, but mm. I, I kind of hope that if that call comes someday yeah. to, to, to yeah. spend everything and close the bank account, that I, I, ho- I hope I have that. It's having the ear for it, knowing yeah. when to do it. Yeah, right. <laughs> and knowing that it's not an ego thing, but an actual mm. call, huh. right? Well, and I think you, and you're holding this bigger story where we have, we have saints yeah. who, who are part of our story, our body. Yeah. And, and the saint is often the one who clears the bank clears account. The bank account and closes it. Yeah. And, and we have a sense of the body that there are other ways, like there are yep. plebeians like most of us yep. that, that don't do that nope. and, and, and shouldn't. And we hold that, yeah. that we belong to each other mm-hmm. in, in mystery. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This has been really rich. Oh, thank so, you. Thanks. Good. Me too. Um, <laughs> w- one of the little habits uh, that we're cultivating at the ferment is blessing okay. our guests, which is which is one way of just acknowledging that mm. we we're not engaging in this conversation with any objectivity, <laughs> but with affection, <laughs> and I, I, maybe it gives the like the fanboy energy something more uh, interesting to go. Right, right. Um, so, if you wouldn't mind, um, do you want to read this together? Yeah, let's line just by line. Train. Okay. Steve Bell, we bless you. As a servant of beauty. As a servant of truth. As a servant of justice. Which are all one, finally. In the oneness of the one we adore as the Most High. In the name of this one and this oneness, we bless you. God bless your fingers. God bless your mouth. God bless your mind. May the work of your hands and the meditations of your heart be good news to the poor, restoration of sight to the unseeing, and freedom to the oppressed. So may it be, so may it be, 
Amen. Amen. Oh, wow. Wasn't expecting that. <laughs> Thank you so much. You're so welcome. <laughs> We are the ferment. You are too. Thanks for listening. Until next time, breathe consciously and with love. Eat consciously and with love. Tend the creation. Attend the divine. And name the real consciously and with love. Peace and all good.